My first title in content marketing was brand journalist. And coming out of college, I absolutely did not know what that meant. And I'm not sure anyone at my company did either. I certainly didn't have any training as a journalist, so I felt a little bit blind as that title. But looking at my content career so far, only one thing has served me more than anything else, and it's embracing the role of the untrained journalist. You're listening to the Content Head Podcast with me, Joe Michalowski. Every week I dive into one big idea that's come up in my day-to-day while leading content in B2B SaaS. Listen in for lessons and rants about working through the challenges of being a lean content team in the do-more-with-less environment we all find ourselves in. Thanks for joining me to nerd out about content. Let's get into it. When I went to college, I was a chemistry major, and I realized very quickly that I had no interest in being a chemist for the rest of my life. And so I ended up being an English major, and it didn't take very long, maybe about a year, so my sophomore year-ish, maybe toward the end of my sophomore year, where I had that oh shit moment of, oh no, what am I going to do as an English major for the rest of my life? And there were basically two paths that I was thinking of. One was teacher, because everybody knows that if you're an English major, you're basically going to be a teacher. But everybody in my family was a teacher. And I knew one thing about my life, and it's that I didn't want to be a teacher. Uh, And so the other path that I had in mind was journalist, which, you know, after 2013, 2012, 2013, whatever year this was, probably wasn't, I don't know, the the best path to go down. It was, uh, but it was in mind. So... The first internship I got, heading into my junior year of college, and I got an internship with a sports magazine that was covering the Pawtucket Paw Sox. I went to Providence College, so I was in Rhode Island, and the Pawtucket Paw Sox are the the AAA affiliate for the Boston Red Sox. And so that was a really cool job. Uh, I got to spend the summer working basically out of the press box in the stadium that the Paw Sox played in. And so every home game, I would go down to the stadium and I'd get to go into the clubhouse, the dugout and hang out while the team was getting ready, warming up for the game. And I would go in every time I would basically choose one person to go in and interview somebody that the magazine wanted to do a story about. And during the game, I would hang out in the press box and I'd get free food and I'd watch the game and I'd write my story. It felt very cool. Uh, And I got to meet and interview guys like David Ortiz and Daisuke Matsuzaka when they were doing rehab stints. And so it was was objectively a cool job for a sports fan and a writer. But I remember feeling incredibly nervous and out of place. Maybe, you know, it's just the nerves of being a college kid, not an actual, like, I don't know, professional. Uh, But I was nervous enough and I, I felt awkward enough that I decided journalism was not the path for me, even though it was a really cool job. But three years later, I graduate, I I have my English degree, and I'm looking for these content marketing jobs, and I find myself accepting the role of brand journalist at a content agency, and I felt the exact same level of nervousness that I felt the first time when I was in that dugout, and I'm just like, I am not a journalist, I don't know how to be a journalist, I never was trained to be a journalist, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do here, Um, and so I got through that, and fast forward to today... And I am absolutely still not a journalist. I still have no training as a journalist. I still, if I got thrust into that job, I don't know what I would do. Um, But I've realized that that any success I've had so far in content marketing has largely been by pretending to be a journalist at times. And so 
I think there are some crossover points between being a content marketer, like, like I would consider myself, and an untrained journalist. And so I want to walk through some of them here. So basically, like, if you're like me and you're, you're not a journalist, I, th- I think you should embrace this role as, you know, the untrained journalist to make your content job better. And so the first thing that I think a content marketer needs that very much comes from the world of journalism is a really critical eye in research. And so you need to be able to quickly identify what is a reliable piece of source material from what is an unreliable piece of source material. And so if you're thinking even just like basic, like writing for search, like SEO writing, you might be doing a lot of Googling, like Google research and you know, it's really easy just to type something in and say, okay, like I'm going to ba- make one basic search, go for like the, the short tail keyword and grab the ultimate guide on page one and assume that that is reliable material. And if you're going to be really good at this job, if you're going to like create the best content you can. I think you need to be more critical of that. You need to be relentless in your research. You need to dig, you need to dig some more, you need to dig some more and decide by like reading multiple materials, by doing more searches, going down that rabbit hole, like refining your search and really just digging into the research to know like, oh, I found a source that I think explains it in a way that is more trusted versus, you know, you can tell some, I don't know, junior marketer wrote something in the guise of expertise without really like interviewing anyone or knowing the material themselves and kind of passing it off with just the check marks of SEO. So a really critical eye in research, relentless research, you know, as a journalist, probably much more complicated than just Googling, but for content marketing, you know, that's, that's kind of the first step, you know, you can take it beyond that, but at the very least you should be really critical in, in how well you get through your Google searching as you try to get ready for a topic. So the second one I want to call out, it's being an expert dot connector. And I really like this idea from uh, Jess Cook. I've seen her say it a few times in her LinkedIn posts, describing content marketing as dot connecting. So like you don't need to be you know, an expert, you need to be able to connect dots. And so you need to be able to piece together information that is scattered across multiple sources, across multiple mediums into a cohesive story. And so part of this is pattern matching. So you need to sift through mountains of information to find those like little nuggets that or the dots that are relevant for what you're working on now. So it might all be good information, but maybe you only need that one paragraph from that one article and that those three quotes from that podcast episode. And oh yeah, we did a webinar on this thing and like I'm going to grab some of those insights and, and weave it into this section. And it, it's not just putting dots together that somebody presents to you. It's not a it's not like a puzzle, like a puzzle you buy out of a box and like you dump all the pieces and like, okay, here are the pieces I have to put them together. You're kind of like, you have to find which pieces to use for the puzzle first and then be able to put that puzzle together. So I think it's something that, you know, if you read any like major piece of journalism, there's so many sources that like, you know, it, the way they weave those sources together and like create the story is as important as getting the sources themselves. So being that expert dot connector, if you're going to be the untrained journalist, I think that's a, an important thing to learn. Third thing, being a curious listener. 
I've found that the follow-up questions in any interview or any conversation are where you get the real juice. It's better than kind of like just giving someone a written set of questions and getting like a, a handful of notes. I've done the async version and any written Q&A to me always like pales in comparison to being able to actually speak to someone. I think you just get a lot more out of it. And so when you're listening, it's not just, you know, actively listening and like nodding your head, but it's listening intently and zeroing in on something that piques your interest. And then you start pulling that thread. So maybe they talk for three minutes and that doesn't mean that you need to, you know, retain and understand in the moment and like really grasp every single thing that they said, but maybe like around like the halfway mark, they mentioned something and you thought like, oh, like I, I didn't fully get that or maybe there's more there or maybe it relates to a question you were going to ask later. Ask the follow-up. Ask for an example. You don't need to ask something incredibly insightful, something just like, tell me more about X, Y, and Z. It can go a long way to getting someone to, to give you the insights that people won't find elsewhere. And then the last thing that I'll say about being this untrained journalist is just acting as an investigator, not an expert. And so I think in content marketing world, we want, you know, our, our prospects to think that we are expert. Our companies are our experts in what we're doing. And we want to put on this air of authority and confidence. And we want people to feel like when they work with us or when they talk to us, that we understand their problems, not just that they're going through them, but we know how to solve them. And so that's how you end up with content that is written by marketers pretending to be subject matter experts. And, you know, maybe you're the the magical content marketer who is working in, I don't know, let's say some industrial area and you spent five years working on a factory floor and like you actually do have some, like that's, that's unicorn status in, in this world, unless you're marketing to marketers. So I think the assumption here is you're a content marketer you don't have expertise in your field, but you need to create great content. Great. Start investigating. Start finding the experts that your audience would like to hear from. Yeah, you don't have your journalism training, but you're not a journalist trying to dig up unknown sources. You have customers. You have, I don't know, executives who have connections to other people. And like you, you have threads available to you in the organization to get you in touch with the people you need to be in touch with to be that investigator. So you don't have to pretend to be an expert. And so those four things to me are really the most important. It's, you know, again, just critical eye and research, being an expert doc connector, being a curious listener and being an investigator, not an expert. Like to me, that's, that's the crossover between, Hey, I'm a content marketer who is an untrained journalist. And so those are what have helped me kind of get by and get to where I am today. But the real context for this, for content marketing is really being able to interview SMEs to improve your work. There's probably a lot of ways we could go about this, like journalism angle. It could just be the writing itself and like how you approach writing content but I bring all this up for the sake of, you know, explaining how to interview better. And this is a, a muscle. It takes practice to build that muscle. It takes, you have to exercise it. The more interviewing you do, the more informal training you'll get as an untrained journalist and the better you'll become. And that's, that's what I've been doing. So when I was a brand journalist in my first job, 
the journalist part was I did. I had brain, we call them brain dumps, brain dump calls with clients. I'd get on with their CEO or their product person or whoever it was that was hiring us. And I just start asking questions like, okay, you want me to write about network taps for IT infrastructure? And it's like, okay, well, I've never heard of a network tap. So like, what do you guys want me to write about? What, why is this important? Why is this new product feature important? Like what, what is it we need to do here? And so I've been doing this for, you know, like a eight to 10 years. And in those early days, I, I would cringe to hear those recordings back. So maybe with a tip or two, I can help you kind of accelerate that, that quest to be a better interviewer. But the truth is it's going to just take time. You got to do it more. So I'll run through a few things that I, I sat down and thought, Hey, I think if I really put my mind to the interviewing I've done, this is what it feels to me makes the biggest difference. And first and foremost, I would say just be your honest self in the interview. And now this sounds probably really fluffy, uh, probably not super practical, but I, I promise it's important. So the example I have is that I have been, I've run a podcast for Mosaic called The Roll Forward, interviewing finance leaders for 45 episodes or so. So I've got like 45 hours of published speaking to finance executives with no finance background myself. And something that if you listen to enough episodes, you'll hear me say it a lot. I'm always incredibly upfront about how much I don't know about what they do. I tell them like, Hey, I'm not an expert in your field. I I'm a marketer. I write for a living. Like I, I don't know how to build a financial model. I don't know what you're doing day to day. I'm just trying to learn and I'm trying to have a nice casual conversation. That's really how I approach all of those chats. And I'm sure there's a time and place for very formal interviewing, but to me, being yourself and just being casual in those conversations, it will put your SME, it'll put your interviewee, whoever it is at ease. And the more comfortable that I've been able to make the subject of the interview, the better their answers always are. People show up like, especially my finance leaders, they're not, especially at startups, unless you're like a, you know, public company CFO who's doing earnings calls all the time or something. These people aren't like used to being in the spotlight to back office function generally. And so for a lot of them, it's the first time they've ever been asked to be in public, being recorded on video, answering pretty difficult questions. And so the more fun they have doing it, the better off everything is going to be and the better your content will be in the end. So be your honest self. I know that's not a probably not expected, but it's really helped me. And it's kind of what gets people to the end to say, Hey, I had a good time. And they're, they're, they seem genuinely surprised that they had a good time kind of going through the questions. So that was my first one. The second one is to, first of all, this isn't really the, the main tip, but you want to outline your questions. Ahead. Like don't go in rogue and just try to, you know, uh, wing it, really write your questions ahead of time. But the real tip here is like create an arc with the questions. And so I think about the podcast and it's really just, it's a, it's an interview podcast. So you could have any number of questions, but what I end up doing is trying to structure it in a way that it's very like educational for the audience. And so the questions have like a narrative arc to it. There's, you know, our, our 
podcast agency, the people who produce this podcast helped me come up with the script and the way they had it, it was like, all right, like kind of like the, the problem, the, the conflict and like the solution, it's almost like a case study. It's like, okay, we have like these three sections and your it makes your interview go through like a point A, how do we get to from point A to point B and like what's kind of like the downswing with the the lessons learned and the results and things like that. Doing that will like get your subject, get the interviewee, get the subject matter expert to kind of build up in their answers. If you ask them, "Hey, what were the lessons you learned while doing the like this project?" You know, it might be a little jarring versus spending 20 minutes getting them to talk about what the project was, what the problem was that they were trying to solve, like how they went about solving it. And then you say, okay, like, well, looking back, like, what are the lessons that you learned? Like any tips, like then they'll have spoken about it for long enough where they can really in the moment reflect on things that maybe they wouldn't have thought of in the moment if you didn't give them that time. And so creating that arc, whether it's like problem solution lessons or some other story framework Maybe we can talk about that in another episode, story frameworks, but pick something and just have a narrative arc so you aren't just like bouncing around from random question to random question. Um, third thing is to send questions ahead of time, but don't be overly scripted or scripted at all in the interview. You don't want to surprise the guests. So like sending the questions ahead of time is great, but depending on who it is, you might get someone who's just like incredibly like prepared and sending you or not sending you, but or maybe they would basically just writing out their answers ahead of time. You don't want them just reading off the notes the whole time. It won't, especially if you're publishing it as like a podcast episode, it won't sound natural. It'll sound kind of uncomfortable. And I think the way to get around this is to, to ask more follow-ups. So like, yes, let them read their notes. But like I said before, like home, like really zero in on something that you heard that was interesting and ask them that follow-up. And then, they won't have notes for that, or maybe they'll have to grab a piece from some other part of their notes. And like, it'll, it'll make them move around their notes a little more naturally and try to like really break free of that, that structure that they had. And then you can move around your question list a little bit. So if they mentioned something that was like, that sounds relevant to something you, you were going to ask two questions later, ask the question that's like, Hey, I was going to ask you this like in a little bit, but since you mentioned it, Hey, what do you think about this? It'll create a unique rhythm to your conversation if you're able to break the script. So like, yes, you're sending the questions ahead of time. You're kind of setting yourself to have self up to have a scripted narrative, but then you want to like break it in tiny ways that don't create a jarring experience for the subject matter expert or whoever you're talking to. You want it to still go smoothly, but you want it to be just a little bit outside of what that initial outline was, or at least give some like little bumps in the road so it doesn't feel so scripted. And the last tip I have is to just give, please give your questions a second look before sending them over. A mistake I've seen a few times is content marketers kind of wasting precious SME time with basic questions. And so the easiest way to think about this is like, you know, if you're interviewing a subject matter expert for a search optimized article. Maybe you worked with an SEO agency and they sent you an outline. And so like the first section is what is financial modeling? And the section second section is why is financial modeling important? And then third section is like how to build a financial model. Like this, this is super basic and uh, you know, there there's nuance here. 
But you don't want to go into that question list and make your first question to the SME, what is a financial model? Like, yeah, they, they can answer that, but you can answer that with some research, like and pretty simple research. You want to cover your basics on your own because you want to focus the limited time you have with your expert on really meaty questions. You want to ask for real experiences and examples that they have. You want to get those stories so that when you put a quote in or when you try to give more color to what you're writing or what you're kind of producing, that you'll you'll have that at the ready. You want to build out a level of source material for your work that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. So if you're looking at your question list and you're saying, okay, I asked these like five really basic questions. And then at the end, I was like, by the way, what's what are four examples of times that you've built a financial model for different businesses? And it's like, okay, well, that's, that feels like the real question. It's like, why am I going to spend 30 minutes of my 45 minutes talking about these like really basic things that I could look up on my own? And so just give the, the list a second look. Cut it down, probably. You don't need to send 80 questions at a time like you might be able to get by with like four questions and then and then all follow-ups and just really try to make the conversation a little more natural so that's what i've got i've got those four tips being honest your honest self in the interview creating an arc with the questions sending your questions ahead of time but avoiding a scripted narrative and then just editing yourself down on the question list ahead of time and I think if you do that, you'll be a better untrained journalist than maybe you thought you could be. And now the last thing I'll say here is if you are listening to this and you have a journalism background, I hope I didn't misrepresent your experience or your job too badly. But please let me know if I got anything wrong or if there's anything you would change. And especially, let me know if you have tips on how I could be a better untrained journalist because I don't think I'm ever going to get real training as a journalist, but it is an important part of my job to act like one. So I'm up for any tips that you all have as well. So I hope this is helpful and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Content Head Podcast. One thing before you go, I'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Send a note to contentheadshow at gmail.com and let me know what's on your mind. And if you liked the episode, be sure to follow Content Head wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll see you on the next one.